we're back. It feels like it feels like ages. Yeah. Does it not feel like ages? It's not been ages. It does. It's been the longest two weeks of my entire life. I'll tell yeah. you that. Wait, with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that will come on to that because I'm sure that's probably true. Um, <laughs> but it's it was like the one we did. We did do one two weeks ago, but it was a slightly different kind of special edition, and it wasn't our usual time slot of seven p.m. So this is kind of. It's a long time coming. It feels like it's been, been, been three weeks, and we took a we took a snow day, a mental health day, I think. Uh, we took last week, um, at least according to our, our group chat, wasn't looking wasn't looking too healthy. So we were like, <laughs> let's just yeah. let's take it easy. Um, but yeah, welcome everybody to the, the the Sheffield Gaming Podcast, the show that is designed to bring together all those who play, work, live, and love games in this lovely city of ours, or at least inside our homes, inside this lovely city of ours. Probably for not much longer, but we shall see. We'll talk about that. Um, uh, every show uh, is designed to let you know what's going on in games, what's going on in Sheffield, and most importantly, going on in games in Sheffield at the same time. My name is Connor Clark from the National Video Game Museum, and today I'm joined by my ever-dependent... Now that feels like I'm making a dig at Jade, Jade now, but no, Jade, Jade, Jade will not be joining us today. Um, but I am, yeah. I am joined by Matt uh, this evening from the Treehouse Board Game Cafe. Yes, uh, Jade has made the, the wise decision to, um, you know, uh, be be kind to herself, and yes. um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 back once again. I am on a a 4G connection, so I feel like I am uh, kind of like a satellite reporter, you know, roving <laughs> reporter out here um, in my home. Uh, we've just moved house, um, which is why you I might be. Uh, in mosaic as the chat has been saying um and uh yeah it's it's um it's been a whole one it's been a whole a whole couple of weeks of 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 lots of change lots of tiring things um but uh yeah we're we're we're, we're back once again i've been really excited to come back to it and uh, awesome. hopefully my connection holds up for the the, for the duration well i think it's it's holding up by audio fine um but yeah the the, the, you are you are just looking slightly like a mosaic, but hey, that's fine. That's not too bad. But there's you know there's a reason behind that, and that's because you've had a you have had a very long couple of weeks, Matt. You do, what 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 have you got up to this past couple of weeks? We've moved house. Um, yeah, we 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 basically found out we we got the house at the oh goodness start of the month, um, maybe second uh, very end of January. Found out what we were going to get this uh, house and. We moved in on the 12th, um, which means we had two weeks to sort of pack everything up, get everything ready and just flip and go. Mm -hmm. um, meaning, you know, the uh, and I don't know if you guys sort of noticed, especially those of you in Sheffield and around, around the UK, um, we've had quite a lot of snow over the past two weeks. It's been um, like it's been just a, a heavy like one of those weird blankets that just never disappeared, right? I'm used to snow coming and going like within a day in the UK. Not this past well, two weeks. Um it's been a, yeah. a permanent layer. So we um we basically had to make the entire transit um in the middle of the snow, you know, trying not to slide down whilst carrying a massive wardrobe down some stairs covered in ice and all that sort of thing um and uh yeah it was so so last week you know on on the 12th uh, which is when the the previous episode of this podcast would have been um we were i i was just 
I went to bed in a room full of boxers. Mm. Um, we just we just had the energy to uh, to build the bed, and then we just crashed out completely. Mm. Um, yeah. You... So yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't one of those fun box forts that you make when you want to like you know just turn <laughs> your house into a, a an adventure playground. It was no, this was like an inevitable box fort because lots of moving. Yeah, I mean you've you've, you've done it recently as well. Um, it's you know I am still surrounded by things that are taped up and you know I don't know where necessarily all my my possessions are or what they are in. Um, and there isn't room for for all the furniture in the house, so we have to figure out how that's going to work. But but we now live here, and that's the important part. It is. It is. Um, that, that that feeling will never go as well. Like yeah, I moved in nearly six months ago now, um, and I still don't know where half my stuff is. It's just disappeared in the move, right? There are still cardboard boxes that I still haven't unpacked. But hey, you uh, you just I just I just learned to live with that. Like that stuff's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it went, went into the same place that socks go. Yeah. Yep, or at least one of the socks go because I always yeah. uh, can never, I can I always find at least one pair of socks or one of the pair of socks. Never find the other one. Um have you got have you been able to have much kind of gaming time then whether that be board or video variety? Well, we we definitely wanted we thought okay, well while we've got no internet because mm-hmm. you know we we've set up this 4G router and stuff, and what we thought, well, we've got no internet, we might play some board games. But then there was just so much else to do, mm-hmm. and it felt like sitting down to play a board game was like trivial. Of course, as soon as I, because it's easier to play games with just yourself uh, on on like a computer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I got my PC set up, I started playing um, like the stuff that I already had downloaded on onto the. PC just for, to, to, to claim a sense of normality right mm. um just to kind of take that because I was I was so um kind of I felt so un, unseated and kind of uh, adrift in in some ways yeah. um so I uh yeah I played a little bit of the new patch from from going under I need to uh you know if I if, if once I've got a stable connection and I get to stream again I need to be good at that game by the time I start streaming um, because I, I am intent on finishing that game, but it's so hard. And like the start of that game, like gives you this sort of like, oh, this is pretty difficult, but it's, you know, it's fine. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to a midpoint in the game. And then in the second half of the game is like three times harder than that was. And there is no, like, there's no ramp. There's no on ramp for that difficulty. So I'm, I'm training, I'm doing some, some off camera training for, uh, uh, for going under and I will finish it on stream when one once i've got a stable connection and all that sort of thing is it one of um, those ones like like hades where you, the first couple of runs are really difficult but as you begin to, begin to unlock those kind of persistent upgrades things steadily get easy is, is it like that is the second half of the game just saying you need to go and unlock more of these persistent upgrades before you tackle this <laughs> kind of yes there are the, there definitely are those but i do feel like i'm getting to the end of those you know like there 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 are sort of so uh, going under being a, uh, a kind of millennial um, sort mm. of internship thing where you battle goblins uh, mm. in the basement of this startup you you're, you joined, um, you uh, you get you can choose mentors and you can do various quests to unlock benefits from them. And I'm getting to the end of these 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 kind of like quests. I'm getting to their like their fourth upgrade, 
and I'm still really, really struggling. So uh, I, I might at some point have to uh, accept that it, it might behoove me just to get better at the game rather than <laughs> waiting for the upgrades to make me better. Cool. Well, you might still have a bit of time to do that because it looks like lockdown is going to be kind of continuing for a little bit longer. And that was kind of the first kind of news thing I suppose I was going to chat about um, today was that actually I've had I've had quite I've had quite a busy news week this past this past week. Um, I was even I was actually I was on national TV um, all about the news, which was exciting. Yeah, um, it was great. I saw it. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it was Good Morning Britain on Thursday morning. Um, just doing just doing an update about the museum, about the video game museum, and about it, how it's been a a tough year not being able to be open and having to rely on you know like our fundraising and crowdfunding like um you know quite rely, relying on those efforts but uh, the whole point of the story was ahead of um this roadmap to get out of lockdown on monday um that's supposed to be announced on monday so we might have some idea then about when places like treehouse board game cafe like meltdown sheffield like the national video game museum and also, I know uh, Extra Life Gaming Lounge are doing a fantastic job kind of staying open um, by delivery, but how they can have, you know, proper people inside again. So hopefully we'll have some idea on that. Um, that'd be great. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Leah's complaining uh, in the Twitch chat because I brought Leah along um, for an interview as well for the TV <laughs> thing. Um, unfortunately, her interview was not uh, put actually on live TV, but she did have to join me at getting up at quarter to four in the morning um, to get there to open up the museum in time for Good Morning Britain. So morning TV, oh, I don't know how goodness. they do it. Yeah. That must be, that must be, have been the, the most like tiring thing of just like going down, opening the place up, turning everything on. Because mm. I saw they did massive sweeping shots to make sure they were like checking that every monitor was on. <laughs> it's like they aren't just giving us a, a sham here, are they? They're, they are really, they are, they do constantly mm. run these video game consoles and, and massive monitor banks 24-7, right? Uh, this is a wonderland that doesn't have to pay electricity bills, surely. Well, I, annoyingly, we, so we do, we do, we've done a couple of full shutdowns, right? Normally, if we would do like a partial shutdown of the museum, if we close on a Sunday evening, we know we're not going to be open until the Monday, right? Until the next weekend. So we'll do like a partial shutdown where a lot of things will be kind of turned off to save on electricity bills, but we'll leave some of the essential stuff on, like the Wi-Fi, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. But we decided that, you know, from back in December, when we realized that we weren't going to open in 2020 and we didn't know when we were going to open in 2021, we decided that we'd just do like a big shutdown, right? Everything turned off at source. And that requires me going around with a big stick and poking these really hard to reach um, <laughs> power sockets, right? About about 100 of them because um, there's a lot wow. of things. So, yeah, I did. I did all that and then had to yeah do that again twice. Um, twice over for, for 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 Good Morning Britain, but but hey, it was good. It was really good. We um, we were, we didn't have Piers Morgan on, which I think was kind of a slight fear about what he might say about video games. So, but it was it was a nice feature. It was fun. Yeah, it seemed like it was it was absolutely a uh, like it seemed like production because you never know with production on, on something like Good Morning Britain because it's because it you know it's associated with such a firebrand as Piers Morgan. Um, <laughs> The, the production are going to just take this is how we make this interesting right this yeah. is by uh by you know uh sourcing it up that way but yeah it, it felt like they 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 had a uh, uh the angle was absolutely on on businesses just like the mvm um that are 
that are reliant on physical space. Mm. And and you know, and this is this is kind of me just kind of uh, speaking kind of from from the inside about I, I I you know I have a few interviews to kind of media outlets about video games a lot, and I'm very often about more than. 50% of the time whenever I'm approached about video games it is about a negative news story about oh screen time or you know kids not having any attention spans anymore and it's all video games fault they're not going out and playing you know with their friends because they're staying inside and playing with their friends you know um, mm. you know I kind of and a lot of my job is often kind of providing context around those kind of slight um, knee-jerk reactions I think to games um, yeah you know, there's a level of, I suppose, kind of satanic panic around it that there is around any sort of new media that I kind of have to just nip in the bud at times. Um, but actually, for, you know, there's such a big news outlet, there was absolutely none of that. That was never even part of the discussion. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was that, that was great. Good to hear, yeah. That's, that's, um... Times are changing. <laughs> it, almost, it almost feels like part of the brand in some ways, is that you, uh, is that, like... I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of projecting my opinions on on mm -hmm. um, uh, Piers Morgan onto onto Good Morning Britain, but like um, like the the idea of it, like they're constantly be, like having these massive firebrand opinions, these real knee jerk reactions, and then every now and again reeling everyone back in with something that everyone agrees with. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it will be reasonable yeah. just for today, just for today, just lower them into a false sense of security. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, uh, games is, 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 is uh, and has suffered the slings and arrows of, of the mainstream media for uh, 20, 30 years now, 40 years maybe, um, as, as that like satanic panic never quite left um, the, the perception of, of games. And, you know, games had a lot of growing up to do as well, I suppose. Um, yeah. And, and and has done so in many cases. Um, I really, yeah, like my favorite piece of, apart from your interview, obviously, mm -hmm. my favorite piece of news media that's covered, um, uh, that covered video games was when um, Jon Snow and Charlie Brooker sat uh, sat down and talked about um, uh, Papers, Please. Yeah. yeah. And the, the very fact that, um, the, like, Charlie Brooker had... Jon Snow playing all these games that had obviously been provided by Channel 4 News. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like the uh, a, an Avengers game. It was like, you know, Lego uh, Avengers, Lego Marvel. It was, um, you know, a bunch of just kind of middle of the road sort of shooters. Mm -hmm. And then, and then like, Jon Snow got to the end of it and he was very much like, this is, this is not, you know, this is not, a valid medium and then Charlie Brooker's <laughs> like well what about papers please in which you are a, a border control uh agent in in a uh yeah. in a sort of soviet style uh country yeah. and Jonathan's like I'd like to play a game like that it's like yes those are the kind of games those are the kind of games that are able to kind of reach people who, who have discounted the medium um and I think I, I honestly to, to bring it back to the point I think MBM does a really good job of that. Um, does a really is it, kind of one of those outlets that, what one of those places where um, people can come because they think they're taking their kids to play their stupid video games oh, yeah. and come away with a knowledge of a wider a wider art form. Oh yeah, it's it's a stealth education, right? <laughs>
<laughs> take really badly like yeah you know like oh come in we'll have lots of fun kind of colourful virtual toys that you can play with and you know you can have a coffee whilst your kid goes and plays that game and then bam all political game all art game you learned something <laughs> didn't see that coming you know that's maybe maybe that's we should what we should change the MVM's um, slogan to I don't know bam art game oops <laughs> I like to think I like to think we do that at, at Treehouse as well um, mm-hmm. at least you know in fact, even now, um, mm-hmm. we we still get calls um, for people buying games, and and and, and you know uh, the people who are there at the shop, you know, try and give recommendations and and that sort of thing. Um, but it used to be very much in my my favorite parts of my job used to be when people would come in and they would be on a date or they would be uh, with a group of friends, and they kind of came in to play Monopoly mm-hmm. or they kind of came in to play uh, battleships or uh you know even you know connect four chess that hmm. sort of thing i mean treehouse um, is such a nice place that you could just come in for uh one of the amazing cheese toasties or you know true. Um, yeah. and you just like and then just like oh actually you can just you know pay a couple of quid and then you can start playing a game at your table as well oh yeah sure I'll play yeah frustration or something by the way frustration is a banger do you have a copy of frustration at the treehouse uh do we have a, a copy of frustration i don't think we have a, a copy of frustration but i have a recommendation for you i'm sure i've t- spoken to you about it before i have a recommendation for anyone who wants to play frustration is this the witch's hat um, game yeah it's the witch's hat game it's the yes. uh, it's magic dance is um uh if you haven't come across it it's by ravensburger it should be available some here here, here or there um <laughs> but uh it's like frustration if you play the game with the dome and you Click, click it down and it rolls mm. the dice. Except that nobody um, knows whose uh, pieces are whose after the start. You're not allowed to look at the... Basically, the pieces are all black. They've got black hats on, so you can't see what color they are. So after a few goes and you're going around this circle, you kind of start to lose track of which of your four pieces... Which, which of the four pieces are yours, uh, which are the various, uh, you know, loads of pieces that are on the, on the board are yours. And so you, you just have this thing where you, and you can move any, any piece. Right, so you can roll the dice and you can choose any piece to move, um, <laughs> and it, it means that you will lose track of yours. But you can also move someone else's. If you get like a low roll, for instance, you can move someone else's to convince them that that's not their piece. Um, you can uh, you kind of doing a bluffing game if you got if you can remember which ones are yours. You can also do things like moving other people's pieces past their goal. It's it's like this great, amazing kind of uh, absolute cluster frick. of uh, a uh, a game Um, and uh, yeah like it is um, the thing is that's what I do that is my job left right and centre is to take people who have a three games that they are they know exist and they feel like this wall of games is completely inaccessible to them Mm -hmm. and then teach them that hey like actually we've refined this your social experience, if you came in for a, to have a social experience, can be uh, made greater by playing wavelength. You know, maybe you're on a maybe you're on a date, play wavelength together. Maybe you are on a um, uh, maybe you're just getting to know your new team. Maybe play code names, uh, team up, see who's who 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 kind of like uh, works well in that in that um, kind of your, your strengths and weaknesses in those uh, environments, um, like. Those are my favorite parts where people actually start to see past that kind of. I don't. Those are the games I don't know, and those are the games I do know, right? Yeah. 
Um, and and I'm sure you see the same thing with people going, I know Mario and it was good and I will only play Mario. I'll only play Sonic because those are the... I'm a real old school guy. I bet you hear I'm a real old school guy uh, like 400 times a day uh, because, you know, my, my favorite like memes online are, are when people are like, oh, are you are you really old school? I really like the old school consoles, you know, N64. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, really yeah. old school. Oh, no, you um, do get people saying like, oh, yeah, no, you can't get better than Pong. That's it. That's the peak of video game entertainment. I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. Oh, yeah. Pong Old was a better. long time ago. Uh, <laughs> Older is better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah. Other kind of uh, games, actually. So this is uh, in lieu of the uh, the repeated segment on on the on this podcast, the only segment that is kind of consistent, which is the weekly Met Boy update. Um, there won't hmm. actually be a weekly Met Boy update because yeah. uh, all of the developers posted on Twitter today that they are playing Valheim. Um, and <laughs> evidently the switch port for Super Met Boy has just been postponed. Like, it was meant to be January, it was meant to be February. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's... Can it's... we, ex- can we ex- uh, expect a... Um, in the next Met Boy update then, in the Switch version, can we expect uh, an unbeatable tree enemy that will kill you in one hit? Well, uh, maybe. I mean, is that a thing in Valheim? I've not actually played it yet. I'm one of probably the few people. It actually was announced today that they'd sold already. It's been out for like a week. Um, No, six days has it been out for? I don't know, something like that. But it's already sold three million copies on Steam, which is just like, that's like beating PUBG numbers, which is obviously the third biggest, you know, selling game on Steam or most played game on Steam ever. So this Valheim... I believe in their update... Um, I believe in their update they said that they had um, more sold more uh, more copies than there were ever Vikings. Um, <laughs> like more more copies sold, and then and also I believe uh, they were even pushing up on more concurrent players than there were Vikings. Wow, more virtual Vikings than real life Vikings. In the history. <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. But I mean, you've played it, Matt. I've not actually played it. So what 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 is it, and what's it like? Oh, Valheim is a as a, as you can imagine, as you can probably surmise from uh, from from the Viking chat, is a Viking themed. Um, I mean, it it is at its heart a survival game, mm-hmm. um, like the many many that came before it. It's it's actually like academically quite difficult to differentiate the game from uh, the again the many many that came before it mm-hmm. um obviously rust has been popular quite recently mm-hmm. um and uh, obviously minecraft had a little boom again mm-hmm. um uh, not that it ever really went away but it, you know so you saw popular streamers variety streamers start picking it back up again well yeah um, i mean if you look at twitch streams now like the, the 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 biggest twitch streamers are once again the minecraft twitch streamers um yeah so yeah um and uh yeah it, it it is a it is a it's a survival game uh, the i can i guess the benefits are it is a um, 1 gigabyte download is the is, oh. is, is number one that really sold it to me that right? is a breath one, of fresh yeah, air. <laughs> yeah exactly it's an early access game it's it so i'm sure it'll grow but um it's a 1 gigabyte download uh, you get in and you are immediately uh under its spell because you look at the world around you 
and it looks like a um, a game with a far higher budget, a far greater download size, and a a, a kind of far um, uh, higher specs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it, it feels like a game that should be um, just tremendously difficult to run. You should have to have a really really powerful machine to run it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this illusion to it. And I'll talk about what, what you actually do. You basically you go around, you chop down trees, they can fall on you and you can die instantly. <laughs> um, you uh, build a, you build a, a little, you can build, uh, you know, your own little shack and put a forge in there and all that sort of thing that you would do in a Minecraft thing. You go around hunting deer and hunting boar and then you actually set out into the world exploring the place and, hunt, and sort of looking for these bosses. Um, there, there are, I think, six of them at the moment, and they, they kind of each require you to go into a different biome and look for um, their, their, you know, the, the associated things that you'll require to actually summon them or even or even to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the, the loop. That is the it's, it's just way, way better with friends, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is kind of uh, not tedious, but it's, it's, a, it's what I would like to call a kind of Zen game, right? Where, when you're on your own, it's sort of yeah. like. I'll go out. I'll ch- uh, chop some trees down. I will. This as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's sort of like if you are on your own, you get that kind of zen focused on, on on one thing, and you just sort of go with it. When you're with when you're with other people, it is this like wild ride of like planning and uh, different projects and people bringing resources to each other and passing back and forth and all that kind of lovely community stuff. And you build this little you, this little Viking town and the architecture and the, 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 the tools they're giving you are custom made to make every building you want to make look like a... It's not like Minecraft where you can be super crazy uh, creative. Of course, you can be creative, but everything's going to end up looking like a Viking long haul at some point. Um, and... Uh, but yes, the the, the the magic spell of Valheim is its lighting. Um, mm. The the glamour that, um, that that really falls over you when you boot the game is the fact that actually, if you zoom in on any given detail, any given uh, texture, mm-hmm. right, even your own character, I would liken it to probably around um, the sort of just post-launch, maybe first expansion World of Warcraft. You know, when it's, it was really at the height of its popularity, right? Yeah. Those are the kind of textures we're looking at. That's the number of polygons per person you're really looking at. Um, but the plurality of that, right? The the way the grass moves in the wind, the um, the way the, the lighting comes through the trees, hits the mist, and you get this beautiful balance of color between, you know, oranges and blues of the sky... Um, and uh, then up above, you can see this kind of Yggdrasil, the, the world trees, branches up above you. And it's this gorgeous. Side box. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely amazing. And it is a, I will not refer to it as anything else but a magic spell. Because it is, it is a glamour. It is mm-hmm. a, an illusion that m- makes you fall in love with the atmosphere of this game. Despite... If you actually try and look at anything in detail, it, you know it being sort of uh, you know two thousand textures, mm-hmm. um, the you can still and I, despite having almost like I feel like I've seen through it almost, yeah. it's still an effective spell that doesn't stop it from being beautiful. That doesn't stop it from being valid. It is 
a a wonderful wonderful thing to to it's a wonderful place to be is, is Valheim um and yeah that's the thing like like Tom back is saying the fact that the art direction is uh so powerful that it can overwrite like that tiny file size that technical mm-hmm. limitation is is for me, the reason that it is so engaging, it, the reason that it, they, they've created this atmosphere and um, you want to stay there and you want to, um, you find yourself, you know, five hours later with your friend and you have, neither of you have eaten um, <laughs> and you just sort of have built this enormous long haul with, you know, magic portals in it and, and big forges and you're 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 just planning your next outing to go hunt the uh, the swamp creatures and you know it's you you there's all sorts it's, to do and it sounds magical because yeah. it doesn't sound like anything that you know it's doing anything different right there's no usp as such there maybe, maybe no. the the lighting the lighting might might be that but there's no like unique actual kind of selling point that distinguishes valheim from something like a you know, a Daisy or a Rust or a you know these kind of other kind of survival games. Um, yeah. But everybody kind of that talks about it just says this is absolutely enamoured with it and is saying that like, this is just it's a beautiful game. It can be a chill out game if you want to. It can be a chaotic game if you want to. It can be both of those things within five minutes if you want it to. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and it just, I just, it just seems to have done something that is like, like as you as you put it, you know, quite magical. Um, I'm, I'm maybe I need to get on it. I need to, I need to try it. Um, see what the fuss is about. Yeah, it's it's fifteen quid, um, and you'll you'll get your money's worth, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you play with anyone else, um, you'll certainly ex- experience a kind of um, that kind of okay. What should we do now? That it, it is a it is a chill out game in many respects, but very much like Minecraft in survival mode, um, you have these incredibly tense moments when you are sure that you're going to lose everything you own. And it's going to be a a, a ten minute run back to uh, back to where all your stuff is, and you're going to lose your levels. And, and the the other thing, it's got it's got kind of uh, Elder Scrolls leveling style stuff. So okay. the more you do any given action, the more you level that that action up. Yeah. And the kind of the more I don't actually know what it does leveling it up. I'm assuming it just <laughs> makes you consume less of your stamina bar when you do it or whatever. But it feels nice to sort of like. For instance, if you um, play, are playing on a server, on, on someone's server, and you put a load of work into, like I have, um, uh, me and a few friends from work, um, mm-hmm. we have we've been doing this one server that is just hosted on my uh, on, on on Sam's um, computer, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever he's on, we all work together on that one that one file, right? Uh, and we've got this whole community up and running, and it's all, all, all going great. When Sam's not online, like the old school Minecraft st- uh, days, um, that place doesn't exist, so we can't work on it, right? Um, but yes, um, the oh, sorry. Um, sorry, the kind of <sighs> when you are because you carry your your character over from um, from one to the other. Yeah, you can go back and start your own little shack and do some Zen mode stuff, and you swimming around in the water and you sort of like running back and forth and picking up berries or whatever. That not only can you carry some of that with you, but you can also um, uh, you you feel like you're doing something, right? Yeah, you feel yeah, like yeah. you're you're going somewhere with it. 
Yeah, and those kind of progression yeah. systems are really kind of um, good at just it, it making that kind of mundane play experience, you know, that just kind of just, you know, I'll say mundane, but that kind of repetitive stuff, um, just giving that a sense of purpose so that you doesn't feel like a, oh, I might as well go and do something else right now. So if that, if that yeah. carries across, even across different servers, I can see why that is really, really enticing. Um, yeah. What we'll also do is I'm going to do a quick fire news catch up as it has been two weeks. We're back three weeks since we discussed any news. I'm going to do a quick fire news catch up in regards to more video gamey stuff. Um, Sheffield has been kind of snowed under, so there's not been you know too much news to kind of update upon there. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there will be next week after Monday's announcement. Um, so quick fire news catch up. Uh, let's try and do this in five minutes. Let's say yeah, we'll do that easy. Um, so. What has happened over the past couple of weeks? One, there has been a bill to ban console scalping has been formally submitted to Parliament. Um, Matt, you got your hands up in the air. Have you been trying to get one of the new consoles? No, don't care. I just don't want people to benefit from the from the um, fact that they can't that they have money money that they can uh, put into a, a a program that uh, puts a load of stuff in uh, baskets and then dumps it all out and then they buy a load of stuff up it's right. it's a broken game um that shouldn't have that exploit in it and um you know if you're going to think of things in a gaming in gaming terms um they're playing a, a bug in the system yeah. and yeah. uh it's it's not fair yeah and it's, it's three um, months now it's actually three months to the day that the playstation 5 came out and it's still impossible to get one which is just unlike any other console launch even the wii the wii was notorious for having stock shortages um, but this is a level up um, for both the Series X and the PS5. Um, so, yeah, interesting one. Obviously, because of lockdown, right? Because ev- everything you want to buy is online. It's much easier to get a scalper online than it is to create a robot that can actually go into Argos or game and buy one in person. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, yeah, you can't, you can't then go and, um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose you can't go into a Argos and say, hey, can I buy all of your PS... You know, like, it, 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 not something you can do. Um, someone... There, there is a check and balance there where someone says, uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, whereas, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you could maybe do it at some point, but, um, like, it, it's much harder, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I did that once. I used to work in a shop, actually, and I had someone come in to buy... I can't remember, it was the limited edition like magazine thing and um, we only got like 10 copies of it in the news agents and uh someone said i want all 10 of them and i said no you're not because that's wrong you're not allowed and he got really mad at me and ended up leaving and shouting and then my boss came over and said yeah. my boss came over and said you should have just sold them all 10 like it's it's illegal for us to not sell them all 10 but you made a point of it and pissed this guy off and i was like well he deserved it so yeah he did he did deserve it I mean, th- this is the thing. This is not without precedent as well. Um, do you? So, for anyone who's worried about like what, where, where do we go from here? It's a slippery slope. Um, the UK has had these kind of laws um, for ticket scalping mm. um, for years, um, and uh, as seen when uh, I'm in a deep cut for people who are musical fans, but uh, when Hamilton um, was all the rage. And uh, in in the US that doesn't have these laws against um, ticket scalping, you could get a Hamilton ticket uh, for like tens of thousands of dollars. Um, 
to to see to see Hamilton on Broadway, um, and that was because all of the tickets had been bought from from the theatre had been bought, and the only ones you could get were the ones from scalpers. Mm-hmm. Um, then, so I, I was like, well, I'm never going to see it, right? I mean, I'm really into this musical. I've listened to the album uh, loads and loads of times. Um, I'm never going to see it. Came over to the West End, looked uh, pre-booked for the tickets to see whether I could get one, mm-hmm. and hey, lo and behold, they were perfectly available uh, because they hadn't been instantly bought up by a robot. Um, you People had to sign up to get them and they were, you know, regular theatre prices. They were 50-something pounds. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that was a an eye-opener for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that, you know, you can really, really uh, make or break a whole art form in some ways. Yeah. By having applicable applicable um, uh, stuff, applicable uh, rules and regulations, mm-hmm. um, it feels like if you want if you want to make video games and console gaming only available to incredibly rich people, you don't want um, you, you don't want these regulations. Yeah. But if you want gaming to be something that people can enjoy specifically console gaming i suppose but you know we've had the problem with you know um mining uh was it bitcoin mining and 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 graphics cards as well yeah bertie and doom have actually just put in there that uh, nvidia just the other day uh announced i think was it earlier today even or maybe even yesterday they announced that they're releasing two new versions of their graphics cards one pivoted towards gaming will have a, a limit on it so that if you try bitcoin mining with your new nvidia 3060 um it will immediately kind of halve the power that it can send to it which i think is really exciting and then also yeah. they've released a specific mining only card that doesn't have any graphical kind of output needed but just has all the computational power that you need to do bitcoin mining so basically kind of making specific cards for either use case um so that and then for their words it's oh so you can have more gaming people game more players can get our get, get a hold of our stock but it's also kind of that they're probably actually, uh, if they make their own, the only ever specific Bitcoin, bind, uh, Bitcoin mining uh, device, then they can probably get a hold of that market as well. Yeah, that's a, it's a win-win in my opinion. Is that I don't have a, a great deal of uh, wish to mine Bitcoin, but I would rather be able to buy my next graphics card mm. um, at a reasonable price. Um, so win for Nvidia, sure. Win for me, absolutely. Mm. Um, in in that case. Other, other quick buy news, uh, Games Master, the TV show with the big head that they told, like, had competitions about people paying, like, uh, Mega Drive and SNES games. Um, it's coming back with with uh, Patrick Stewart as possibly the new Games Master. Um, Patrick Stewart is taking over from Patrick Moore? Yes, quite possibly. So this is, <laughs> a, this is only rumoured. Uh, basically, Channel 4 released a news article um, last week basically saying, we are thinking of bringing Games Master back. Does anybody want to come in and sponsor it? Like, you know, reaching out to kind of industry or some like big money sponsors to basically pay to get Games Master off uh, off the ground. And they didn't announce any details, but they launched it with a picture of Patrick Stewart. So the so everybody's presuming that Patrick Stewart's going to be Games Master, right? Why else would you use that picture with the logo? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so fair enough, yeah. 
So, yeah, quite possibly, which I think would just be absolutely hilarious um, and sounds fun. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Uh, other news, uh, GoldenEye reboot, which was created for the Xbox 360 but never released, had been leaked online. And you can actually go and download it and run it through, run it on an Xbox 360 or on an Xbox 360 emulator. Um, fascinating story, this one, because this, this is a fully fledged, fully completed, fully polished release that got to the point of just about to be announced and then was canned right at the very last second, apparently by uh, a single person high up in Nintendo that pulled the plug on it super late on because they didn't know about it. And once they found out about it, they were like, no, of course we can't do that. Why has anybody approved that? Despite both teams yeah. from Nintendo and Rare going you know, really hard about making it. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I saw the leak. I saw the, saw the video. I watched um, a, few ep- a few episodes, a few, a few levels. Mm-hmm. And... It looked really good. Mm. It did. It looked. It looked. Uh, I would have played it for sure. Um, there is a. Um, um, obviously, it would have been better with the new, um, w- with the updated voices. You know, voice files in it and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, because you know, if they'd have got Bros, Piers Brosnan's home mm-hmm. um, on uh, <laughs> on 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 side and Sean Bean and all that sort of thing. Sean Bean, of course, a Sheffield uh, native. Yes. Um, and um, yeah, so although when I looked up um, Sean Bean uh, on Wikipedia mm-hmm. and it told me what school he went to, no one who I know, like no one who is of an age that they would have heard of that school could tell me that that school existed, Really, which is really oh. weird, right? Mm. All my, my entire family have been in Sheffield like almost their entire lives. And, um, you know, they've been comings and goings but um yeah nobody seems to know what that school was so uh, maybe he's got a fake background who knows I mean, well, either way have you ever <laughs> seen a, question a... have you ever seen sean bean in person uh i haven't no you, maybe actually, sean bean doesn't exist I, you, you've lived in sheffield as well and you've never actually seen him like apparently loves the loves the city always here right mm-hmm. mm. i don't know is he yeah, maybe maybe doesn't maybe doesn't exist. Um, so there's that. Another really cool, interesting thing about the Goldeneye reboot is that it actually is the first game I know of that had this whole like um, you press a button and you instantly go back to the old graphics and then go back to the new graphics as the Halo Anniversary oh, games did. It did yes. that for like five years before Halo One Anniversary, I think, um, or, or not five years, but wow. it probably is. Um, so. Yeah, which is, is, is incredible. Um, other news, other gaming news. There was a Nintendo Direct, the first one in like 18 months, um, just the other day. I mean, was there? Yeah, it was <laughs> It was a bit of a, a bit of a wet rag, wasn't it? It was a bit, everyone's like, yeah, cool. Some, yeah, some decent stuff. Like, I'm just going to go down the list here of or on their kind of like on their site. And it's like Splatoon 3. Sure, great, whatever. Right, I didn't yeah. play the first two. Um, I imagine it'll be fun. People will like it. People seem to like the first two. I don't know where they can go, but I mean, where can any shooter go? They just add more weapons and a different map. Um, Smash Brothers adding another sword person. I don't another again, anime sword like, person. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Um, it's they don't seem to have got the memo that people are sick of Fire Emblem style sword people. Uh, but you know, it's it's what it is. They'll do what they want to do. It's like haha, anime sword go burr. Well, I'm sure they're building it for a Japanese audience, aren't they? And uh, that stuff yeah. always does well um, in Japan, at least monetarily. So evidently more of a market for it. I'm happy we got Banjo. And that's, um, 
that's all I have to say about the matter. Like, I, I can die happy knowing that Smash Brothers Ultimate has 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 Banjo Kazooie in it. Yeah. Um, and Minecraft Steve, I think, was a really good really good one as well. But yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's some there's some killer uh, kind of killer characters in there. Um, it's just you know they've the the roster is so big and full of like uh, let's say franchises that people don't associate with Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, that it just it kind of dilutes it, I suppose. Um, but you know that's a whole other a whole other thing. I am absolutely jazzed for a new Mario Golf series. Yeah, great. I am super hyped for that. I love the Mario sports stuff. I hate sports games, Connor. I don't like them at all. I find them incredibly tedious. If anyone starts talking to me about FIFA or or like, I think the last sports game I I actually enjoyed was um, NFL Street. Um, oh, for yeah, like GameCube, because um, you could do things like like run up, run along walls and dive over people, and it was just a it was just a sort of strange thing that I got into for no reason. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, got Mario stuff though. I've always loved. I loved Mario Soccer um, and the uh, strange warrior. Sorry, Waluigi lore they introduced in that. Um, yeah, I, that was Waluigi's uh... game, wasn't it? He was like, if they release a new kind of, um, you know, superstar soccer or anything like that, it will be a Waluigi front-led game for sure. Um, I hope so. I He's a soccer you... player at heart. He is. Uh, if you, um, it looked, it reminded me a lot of the Everybody's Golf series, which is a bit I'm a big fan of. So if you like that kind of Mario Golf, definitely check that out. I'm just going to quick through, quickly go through some other news because um, the rest of the mm. Nintendo Direct was it was all right. Um, there was a Mortal Kombat movie <laughs> coming out, um, but they didn't use they didn't really use like the original kind of Mortal Kombat soundtrack, which is just absolutely iconic. You don't need to change it. I hope I hope in the original yep. movie they just kind of leave it intact. Um, if if no one tells me to test my might, what am I even yes, watching right. uh, Mortal Kombat? Yeah, but I mean, it's all, all just get over here, something like that. Oh, what a nostalgia hit! Just those quotes. Um, mm. The Embracer Group. This has got something incredibly close to my heart around video game preservation. The Embracer Group, which is like THQ Nordic and a few other kind of Swedish kind of game development studios um, and a bunch across Europe, um, have announced that they have a massive video game collection, like probably one of the biggest kind of video game archives in the world, and they just casually dropped it on a call the other week. Um, about 50,000 different objects, from arcade cabinets to to anything, wow. basically, including really rare stuff. Yeah, like, you know, I, <laughs> I know a lot about video game preservation. Didn't know they had this. Uh, just kind of, uh, it was a total surprise to me. Um, <laughs> in regards to another really surprising news, um, I found out today that earlier this week, um, somebody was walking around a field in Northern Ireland um, and came across a wreckage of a really rare, and I'm talking incredibly rare, there were probably less than 100 of, probably whatever less than 100 of in the world, um, arcade cabinet that was just kind of dismantled and left rusting and broken and destroyed in the middle of a field in Northern Ireland. It's the Sega R360, which is basically a big arcade cabinet that you strap yourself into. And it's, <laughs> yeah, this it's, 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 it's on, it pivots on a 360 degree angle, but not just like horizontally, vertically as well. So that you can oh actually go, it, this arcade cabinet actually allows you to go completely upside down, like fully upside down, spinning around like you're an astronaut training, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was, a, it was totally. It was when Sega were absolutely dominating in the '90s in the arcade market. They released it as like this really, basically a big flex about this is what we could do. Apparently, someone bought it in Ulster, in in in, in Northern Ireland, and then just 
kept it in a in a shed somewhere and eventually decided to dump it in a field. Um, but goodness yeah. me, madness, madness. Um, fun thing about when it, you it, when you said when you said wreckage, I was like, arcade arcade cabs don't move around. It can't possibly have wrecked anywhere. <laughs> What's it been flying through the sky? It seems like this one probably could be <laughs> classed as a wreckage. Yeah, absolutely. Possibly. I mean, the funny thing, the funny thing with the R three sixty, as far as I'm aware, it didn't actually have a, like a joystick to use it on. It was a D pad. So even though you could go upside down, you actually had to press the button on the D pad to do so. Um, <laughs> That's wild. Um, other other kind of news, um, a Stadia seemed to give its first party kind of development studios the death knell for their games. They're apparently still going to be doing third party stuff, but it looks like Stadia's trying, or Google is trying to sell off Stadia to somebody else to take that technology forward. It will be it will be really important once 5G rolls around, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe Stadia's on its last legs. I don't know. Maybe um, ahead of its time, I suppose. You know, yeah. Google has a habit of doing that, right? They... They develop something that eventually will become something that we all completely use all the time. Um, but mm. it's usually not made by Google. It's like Google, what was it? Google like Wave uh, that kind of w w turned into Google Plus and Google mm. Hangouts and all that sort of thing. And um, we now, almost all of us, use one aspect of that, which is <laughs> to say Google Drive. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, that kind of networking hub there sharing fold sharing folders full of files and uh collaboratively working on documents and all that kind of thing um they just tried to do it ahead of time and then they tried to copy facebook and all that kind of thing google has a habit of doing this sort of thing google glasses right they they did that oh, like 10 years they, ago they were the next big thing <laughs> weren't they like they, 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 that, yeah. that wasn't even like officially killed off that was just slowly forgotten about and so like, oh yeah remember ar yeah. goggles so yeah, so that's and then there's other other kind of bits of news, but nothing nothing that exciting. So let's let's move on to the main main topic, and we were going to have we've not got too much time left because oh man, uh, it, I was like oh there's only gonna be two of us. We need to make sure we've got a big structure so that we don't run out of things to talk oh, about. Yeah, never happens. Yeah. Now. Um, but we um, the main topic was we we're going to talk about this week is our Sheffield Game Club. So if you remember uh, back in January, we wanted to do a big ranking of all the best ever games made in Sheffield and the really influential games, specifically video games, um, about, you know, putting a ranking of them all. But we realized we couldn't do that if we've not played them. So over the past couple of weeks, we've actually sat down and we've played some iconic Sheffield video games uh, in particular. Yeah the monty mole series so this the monty mole series is a series of games that were released for the zx spectrum and the commodore 64 and a few other home pcs around about the 80s um and this the original monty mole wanted monty mole um was kind of the game that kick-started the sheffield video game industry so it was gremlin graphics um the first kind of big studio in sheffield it was their first big hit um and mm. you know led to the, the making a bunch of different sequels and Gremlin also started releasing lots of other games that then got a lot of different traction and, and made them a lot of money. And it obviously, I've talked about it before, but they became basically what Sumo Digital are in Sheffield now. Um, so yeah, so um, how did you get on with those games, Matt? Did you get to get a chance to play any of the Monty Mall series? I am new to Specky games mm -hmm. generally. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first hurdle to playing any specy game is uh trying to figure out where on earth they put the controls yeah on yeah. the keyboard i was thinking um, you're using it as an emulator right so you don't actually have the physical kind of buttons because you have the buttons right they've all got little labels on them you might have a chance or you can even look at the instruction booklet 
um, that has probably yeah. been scanned and put online. But when you're working on your own mechanical keyboard, like who's to say that your queue is the ZX Spectrum's queue? You know, you have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game. Mm. And uh, so yeah, that was the first thing. Is you know like uh, it, it's kind of that that kind of strange. Uh, what's the because it's not they don't use WASD in any kind of capacity, right? Even on the Spectrum, uh, even on the Specky keyboards, it was like what did they use? It wasn't like ZX, was it, to move around? It was like QW and then N and M or something like that to to, to sort of like jump was some like I and K or something, um, mm. and it's just like this this bizarre kind of like uh mapping that just seemed like it made sense on the specky keyboard mm -hmm. uh because those were above each other or what have you uh but the uh when it comes to to translating that to modern keyboards it just doesn't work but um i've gone on long enough about the the, the control scheme because these games um <laughs> are devilish devilishly hard and they, i yeah. i i don't know it can't possibly be because they're made for an arcade cap right because they weren't. They were made for home computing. Well, it's, it's weird, because, like, what, how... Obviously, these games kind of sold really well. Um, and I think there's maybe a question to be kind of uh, raised here about how did the ideal length... Or what was the ideal length for a video game back then? Because these games aren't massive if you know what you're doing. And if you're good mm -hmm. at what you're doing. You know, if you look... I'm sure yeah. if you look at speedruns for kind of the Monty Mole games, you know, we're talking 10 minutes, right, from start to finish. Um but that first run will take you 10 minutes to get off like the first couple of screens, right? Um, yeah. Because they're just so diff difficult and you die instantly and you have three lives and if you lose those lives, you're right back at the start again, you know, no checkpoints, no none of this kind of stuff. So yeah. I'd be interested in how long, uh, what, what the developers intended the ideal length of this game to be. Did they expect people to take 10 hours to get to, the, to find the ending or, you know, or what? There's also an aspect of community there, right? Because there there wasn't a um, there wasn't a uh, an internet sort of of tips and tricks, right? It was absolutely if you and a friend also had it, you would literally half the time it took you to, to find these things because, like you said, once you know what you're doing, these games are way shorter. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you know that you have to, you know, take two steps to the right and then jump. Uh, onto a thing that it looks like you can't reach, but actually you can. Um, that is that is a, a, a full like three hours of, of of failing on that screen saved potentially. Because um, you know there are the I reached a point with Alfida Say Monty, which is the one I played the furthest, mm -hmm. um, where essentially I just couldn't progress. I was like, I've, I think I've explored all the places that I think I have access to mm -hmm. um, because. As I'm sure been pointed out in the past on the show, there is a an aspect of interpretation to specy games mm -hmm. across the board, um, but these ones are were difficult for me to decode. I'll, I'll I'll tell you that there are these kind of like gurning, strange creatures going up and down, uh, and you're not sure. The only reason that you kind of know that they're going to kill you is because everything in these games will kill you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, anything I... that has an animation. I've written down that everything either kills you or is a ladder. Because yeah. there are there are no consistencies <laughs> to what a ladder looks like in this game. It's just if it's vertical, you can probably climb it. <laughs> what I did find was that there was an enemy earlier on that was um that, that killed me. 
And then I went out into, um, I went, okay, it was like up three screens and then left one gets you to Sunny in Alfida San Monte, which is just like a little desert island you have to jump across to. Mm-hmm. And at the top of that, at the top of the palm tree that's on that desert island, if you if you go too far left and go to what I assume were coconuts, these red balls that are stacked up on each other. I thought they were tennis die. balls. They look like tennis balls to me, but yeah, maybe they were coconuts. Oh. I mean, I'm just using context clues, you know, it's a little desert <laughs> island, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you if you go you go towards them, you die. Um, but if you climb the tree and go to the top, there is a almost exact copy of that enemy that killed me earlier. And I was like, I tried to jump over it. I didn't jump over it. I clipped it and I got a, I got a life. <laughs> um, so it was a one-up. And I did, did not know that I was going to get a one-up until I should have been killed by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, what I'll do now is I'll just give a quick, quick kind of, I'm going to walk through a little bit, a little bit of Monty Mole kind of history. Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah. So let's go through the in-game history. So obviously we, we joked about kind of what is Monty Mole wanted for um, in the first game. And actually that is, when I get into the real history, that would make a lot more sense. But basically in the first game, Monty Mole is just a miner. Uh, he's obviously he's a mole, right? He goes digging around and um, yeah. he basically gets accused of stealing a bit of coal at the end at the end of the first game very end so i don't know why the whole first game is called wanted monty mole because he's only wanted right at the end um he gets accused of stealing a piece of coal so then gets shoved in prison so then the sequel was released six months later called uh, monty is innocent um where you have to you don't actually play as monty you have to play as someone breaking monty out of scudmore prison um as a mm. result of his actions in the first game uh, the third game which is monty on the run um, sees you playing Monty has immediately escaped Scudmore Prison and you have to travel across the breadth of the UK to get to the English Channel so you can escape to Europe. Um, all this, <laughs> all this just because he stole one bit of coal. And then, and then I'll be the same Monty, which I think we all agreed is by far and above the best of the the best of the lot. It really, gen- I thought it was genuinely quite playable actually. Um, yeah. In I'll be the same Monty, um, you have to travel across Europe. Um, so you mentioned kind of you got to one of the screens. Still just- running. Yeah, yeah. you just run across Europe and then eventually you find, at the end, at the end of the game, Monty finds uh, the good life, which is the final screen. And he just lives the good life on a desert island with a really small sprite of a scantily clad woman. Um, and that's that's the end of the game. That's game over. And then you, Mon- Monty survived. He is pulled back in the um, in the, re- the 90s revival of Monty. Um, aliens come to the planet Earth to recruit Monty to help them find these ancient scrolls. I don't know why Monty's so famous outside of. Outside of <laughs> yeah. um, but... He's a one, yeah, famous for getting away with stealing a piece of coal. Yeah, right. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but but I, I I try not to talk about um, Impossible too much because I did play it in, in advance of this, and actually that game has probably aged the worst of the lot because it's quite racist, and I probably oh, no. wouldn't recommend going and playing that game. Um, oh goodness! Just at least in regards to the first level. Um, but going back to the first game, and obviously this first game was kind of a bit of a smash hit for Gremlin, and it's really interesting as to why. So um, Wanted Monty Mole was written by a guy called, uh, the idea came back from a guy called Peter Harrop, who was 19 years old at the time he wrote the game. Right. And Peter Harrop's dad was a mine safety officer. And right. uh, he wrote Monty Mole, uh, Peter, Peter wrote Monty Mole in 1983, just after the miner strike started in the UK, right? And wow. obviously, there's a massive part of Sheffield history because Sheffield was at the centre of that, right? Sheffield had a massive, massive mining community. 
Um, so Peter wrote this game inspired by, in uh, using inverted commas there, but very loosely, I suppose, inspired by, well, it's not very loosely, it's quite directly related to the miner strike. Uh, so mm-hmm. in Wanted Monty Mole, you play a mole and you have to climb down into a mine and eventually as you progress through this mine, you come across King Arthur's castle, right? It's even written on, on like the scenery, like this is this is King Arthur's castle. Um, but, but King Arthur isn't, you know, the King Arthur that we all know of with, you know, Excalibur and, and, and Merlin and etc. No, this King Arthur is actually a direct, um, uh, what's it? parody of Arthur Scargill who was the union leader for oh, the minor strike and kick-started the minor <laughs> strike so much so that later on in the game Monty has to bounce around the levels dodging flying picket signs and wow. uh, and hairspray and p- p- little sprites of hairspray because there was uh, Arthur Scargill was uh, infamously kind of pictured with some some hairspray inside a briefcase that he had and he was, the mainstream newspapers used that as a, a, a kind of a, 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 used that to basically target him and call him vain and say he was kind of you know yeah. oh this vain guy leading the minor strike go support Thatcher's government basically so. In, the, in, the UK tabloids being being uh, picking picking union leaders and uh, raking over the coals for no apparent reason. Right, right. This is like the Edmund Van <laughs> bacon sandwich thing. Um, so, so this game is very like it's very highly politicized. This game was a political stunt, and mm-hmm. I like we're not going to get into kind of you know the politics, I suppose, of it. Uh, uh, jumping on kind of the side which side of the politics we're on here. Because the game is also kind of slightly in between the two, but it very much makes Arthur Scargill out to be this huge bad guy, this huge kind of you know mm. horrible kind of. He's the final boss of Monty Mole, is the leader of the Miner Strike Union, and this game was released four months into the Miner Strike, the year-long Miner Strike. So this is yeah. highly, highly politicized. Um, this game. Me. Um, yeah, which is, but like, not even in like a, a subtle way, not even like a, oh, this is a metaphor. No, you literally have at the end of the game there is a sprite of his face going up and down the screen and you have to dodge it like you would Bowser in Mario oh Bros. <laughs> right? So there's there's a crazy, <laughs> crazy history behind this game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they were asked actually afterwards, a few years afterwards, like whether this game, like, do you kind of regret making this kind of anti-Miner Strike game from Sheffield, which was the core of the Miner Strike, kind of the Miner's community, right, that were striking against the government. Like, obviously, yeah. they would have been pissed off about this game. Um, yeah. Do you kind of regret doing that? And, and Ian Stewart, who, who worked for Gremlin and kind of produced the game at the time, um, said no because he's he claims he's not, he's not a not a political person. Um, actually, what they did is they offered five p of every game sold to the Miners Welfare Fund, um, but the Miners Welfare Fund denied their donation and said turned it down because obviously they were slightly pissed off with the game. Um, you can imagine, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can also imagine it being if you consider yourself not a political person and you are seeing the UK media, the, the headlines being so like they were so profoundly anti-union and mm-hmm. anti-minus strike. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can see a 19 year old being like, yeah, this is what I've seen on TV. You know, this is what I've seen ridiculed. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. I this is the side of history that the media is on. I, you know, it's a little detached. It's a little sort of like blinkered to sort of uh, to to do that. But then again, nineteen-year-olds are. 
Well, yeah, well, and his dad, he was, he was very, very close to it. His dad was a mine safety officer, you know. Um, yeah. But so they they claimed that this was, wasn't necessarily political, but was, in fact, a stunt. Now, in regards to it being a stunt, like a PR stunt, they were absolutely right. So Gremlin Graphics weren't a big developer, right? They were kind of, there was a shop in Sheffield that was really successful, the Just Micro shop, and they were kind of producing, you know, making the odd game here and there. Um, but this game was so kind of politically charged that actually it ended up getting mainstream national news attention. And because it was wow. kind of, you know, so anti-minor strike, it actually got an 11 minute segment on the news at 10 with Trevor McDonald, which was a massive kind of, you know, scoop for them at the time, um, as well as a bunch of kind of regional news. And is arguably what led it to be so successful. Um, well, it's not arguably, like it got that massive attention that no game from Sheffield had had before. Um, so it kind of it definitely worked as a stunt like it it, it it sold them copies making this kind of i suppose uh, leah's Lee putting in the comments can we say is Mon is monty guilty of being a tory and that not necessarily actually and this comes back to the point as to why monty had to go on the run in future games um, <laughs> because um obviously kind of at the end of the game you do complete the game you um you get past evil arthur scargill ethel king arthur scargill in his castle um but then, in the the, the post-text of the game, when it scrolls up saying, well done, you completed the game, um, it says that Monty was accused of stealing a piece of coal, and that's all it took for Margaret Thatcher's kind of, you know, militant government to throw him in prison for the rest of the series, right? So it's clearly, you know, it, does, it doesn't necessarily kind of go all the way in on the politics. It clearly is kind of, you know, um, critical of Thatcher's government as well. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's 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 the story of 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 Wanted Monty Mole. Funny enough, they do end it on a cliffhanger as well. They say, "Oh, he's been chucked in prison. What's going to happen next? Is it game over for Monty? Who knows? You'll find out next time." And then six months later, they did release the sequel. So by the next game, yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. So Connor, when you were on Good Morning Britain, did right. you consider? Um, did you consider you know sort of do it saying something incredibly controversial? Or in fact, mimetic. Did you, did you think of telling uh, the the uh, interviewer that he had no authority here and then no authority <laughs> at all? Um, and uh, just just to get those uh, that, that that stunt money. Oh, I should have done that, shouldn't I? Yeah, I wanted. I should have been like interviewed by Piers Morgan and and told him off for not liking video games or something. Because I know he would have made a comment. Um, my favorite <laughs> favorite comment just come through on Twitch chat. It just says uh, beat Roberti. Just says. So after all that, Monty was just short-sighted, which is absolutely right. He was a, he was a mole to the core. Um, he was totally short-sighted and didn't see what was going to happen. Um, and then like spends the rest of his entire life trying to escape Margaret Thatcher's militant government because he was accused of stealing a piece of gold that he never did. Um, until the aliens come in and obviously he's, uh, people have forgotten about him by then. But yeah. What I thought I just, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really understand the entire context of, of Monty Mole right there and kind of why it was successful and how it kind of took off a bit. Um, it is a very good game. Like, you know, the magazines around the time came out and said this is the best platformer of the year as well. Um, but also it did kind of get that. that and I'm sure that initial kind of press attention definitely helped with it. Um, other kind of really cool things, actually, cool bits of trivia about the the if you, if you are going to listening to this or watching this and thinking, you know what, I want to try these games because they sound a bit weird. Um, I would definitely go and go and go and play them. They've got this weird kind of British sense of humour um, to them that is just kind of just in in the sprites and in the look of it. 
Um, they have absolutely amazing soundtracks. This stream started with a bit of a little bit of a, a sample of the Alf Be the Same Monty soundtrack by Rob Hubbard, which are just genuinely really, really good. Go and listen to them. Um, I've got this really cool sound to them. Um, but Alf Be the Same Monty in particular, he talks about it earlier, Matt, kind of, you know, you go up three screens, go to the left, and you're on a sunny beach. Um, so that part of the part of the game is still Spain. Um, and actually the entire map um, of Alfida Saint Monty with the different screens that you pass through. Um, if you lay them all out on a big table, like a screenshot of each one, it will actually sketch out a map of Europe and each wow. of the each of the countries you go to, uh, you obviously do travel through Europe as you do that. You go up to the Eiffel Tower, you go to the Pyrenees, you end up in Greece. Um, and oh, yeah, I, I made it as far as Spain and then died. Yeah, you start in Gibraltar, <laughs> so you went up a little bit, went to Spain. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, and and weirdly, um, if you, obviously you do go around, and you collect money in uh, the Monty Mall games just for like points. Um, and in Afi the same Monty, the, the the money's got a little uh, symbol on it, that says EC, and that actually stands for European Currency Unit or the Euro, uh, right? Yeah. The, the Euro oh, wow. wasn't wasn't released for another ten years after the game came out. This was <laughs> ten years prior to the Euro. This game kind of predicted it being a thing. Oh European Currency. Um, so yeah, yeah, weird. Some weird trivia about the game. Did you ever find out what air was? There's a similar thing. There's a, there's a shield you can pick up that that looks like it's got <laughs> that same. Looks like the European currency unit, but <laughs> it just says AIR, and I don't know what it means. And I was just I collected it, I collected that, I collected a football. <laughs> Are you supposed to just collect a load of things in that game? Just um, go continue on the run. I guess, yeah. Um, I think it says. <laughs> so actually, so it says. So I'm, I'm reading this just off the Wikipedia page, right? But it says, as well as money, there are other kind of miscellaneous objects to collect in the game for points. This was important as you need a certain number of points to get to Montos. Um, these are often particular to the country Monty is visiting at the time. So in France, you can pick up berets. You can find bottles of wine or a glass of beer in West Germany. Um, and obviously, if you do drink the wine um, in the games, there is some Spanish wine as well. It will actually cause your character to become drunk, so you will start to just lose control of Monty because he gets drunk and he just does whatever he wants, <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, he, he does whatever he wants most of the time, anyway. Like he just rolls, <laughs> and I don't know why he rolls. And sometimes you just jump on a platform and you sort of start pogoing up and down, and like he has apparently an infinite jump size, but it just bouncing all around the place it's um it's it's wild he's the the, the monty's a wild like a wild boy he just sort of runs <laughs> wherever he wants i've become properly enamored with him i must admit like uh, since playing those games like they are a real struggle to play they're so ridiculously hard even with the instant super fast speed of the emulators we're using right um not running off original spectrum like where the loading times are 50 times longer um but even, you know, with that kind of instant fast loading times, I got very tired very quickly <laughs> in regards to how hard it was. Um, so, yeah. Oh, oh other, other items you can collect, sorry, in Alfie de Saint Monty include um, a chef's hat when you visit Sweden, which is a Muppets reference. Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. Who knows? Um, what book? Yeah. Um, if you collect a record in Luxembourg, that makes Monty breakdance to the game's title music. <laughs> that's cool oh, it's, it's, like i never got to, i never got, i never got all the way to uh to to, to luxembourg in my game um i got to the pyrenees um but i might go back just to see if i can find the find the record in luxembourg 
Um, yeah, so fun game. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy I know much more about it now. It is genuinely kind of slightly. It is Alfie to say Monty can be a little bit of fun to play as well because it's slightly more accessible than the other two. Yeah. Um, the other two main ones, but yeah. Do you have any other thoughts from 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 your from your, your playthrough? Uh, no, not really. It's it's uh, like interesting seeing like hearing about this. Um, I'm gonna go back and play it again because hearing about it, it's it's like context mm-hmm. when it was released what was going on at the time who was making it um it's gonna make the game make more sense i think mm-hmm. i'll be able to interpret um hopefully looking through those kind of 1980s lenses mm-hmm. um i'll be able to reinterpret reinter- even the stereotypes for the various european countries <laughs> uh slightly better absolutely i mean um, it, is, it is massively a game of its time it was released in a very specific moment so you know playing it back now does strip it from a lot of that context that was was arguably what made it so interesting to play at the time so yeah ace awesome well we're actually well well over time um but matt matt if people kind of want to uh find out more about you after this podcast where can they where can they go and find you uh, well, um, I'm all over the place, really. Uh, first <laughs> things first, I want to give a little shout out to uh, to Vid, uh, Vid who uh, messaged me halfway through the, this episode and told me that I was using my webcam mic. Thank you very much, Viddy. Um, and he's in, <laughs> uh, he's in the chat there, uh, I think, as Sermon. Oh, um, I wasn't sure. I thought it was just the internet connection. It was just oh, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm a terrible um, co-host. I didn't even say so. Oh, Doom has just put in the chat. Actually, what's the next game for the Sheffield Game Club? Um, good point oh um what do we want to do for the next game for sheffield game club uh do we Are want we to stick with the more gremlin well, yeah we could do because it was more more gremlin i'll tell you what let's let's chat about it next week we won't have a game for next week but we'll decide what game we're going to play next and then actually we'll build a whole list of our game club throughout the year that sounds like a good yep. idea Cool. I think uh, we, we the aim, I think, for those of you who are kind of just catching up, um, who have, haven't been here before or what have you, the aim is to try and play almost every game series that has ever mm-hmm. been released out of Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we'll be doing that. Uh, but anyway, to get back to, to, to uh, me, which is the important part, um, I am Matt Turner. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Speaks Words. Um, you can... Uh, Go to the Treehouse Board Game uh, Cafe website, which is at treehousesheffield.com. Um, I would really like you to go there for all your gaming board gaming needs. Um, we have uh, last week. I would have told you that you could could get in ahead of uh, Valentine's Day to get a two player game. But no matter what kind your kind of gaming needs are, um, you can go over there. It is all sorted out beautifully by um, the number of players, what kind of games, what you're going to be, um, uh, what kind of get games you like and also what kind of configuration of people you want to play with including over a call like this games that might even work with a 4g connection and a mosaic webcam um (laughs) the uh of course give us a call if you want to uh you know get someone's advice on stuff but generally um yeah get your beer and games and uh, all sorts of stuff from over there um if you want to hear more from me of course uh, you can go over to soundcloud.com forward slash Life's a Pitch Podcast. Life's a Pitch Podcast is the uh, show where we pitch the best movies that will never get made. Uh, we take titles from the audience, which could include yourselves. Um, and uh, if you go to at Life's a Pitch Show, we get titles over there. Um, that's on Twitter. 
uh, where we you give us fake movie titles and we try to pitch them on the show. Um, this week, we are trying to create pitches for... Because everyone and their mother appears to have a Disney Plus spin-off show. Um, uh, every single... From Doogie Howser... Uh, to the Mighty Ducks. Everything's getting either rebooted or a spin-off. So we are going to be uh, pitching some spin-offs this week. So we'd love you to go over to at Lives of Pitch Show on Twitter and give us some fake titles for, um, for, for spin-offs you'd I, like to see. I, I proposed one for the spin-offs. I proposed Life Inside the Pokeball. It's a Pokemon, oh. Pokemon spin-off show. Like, you know, we've always wondered that what goes great. on. That would be great. When they, uh, you know, what, when Bulbasaur goes away for five episodes and we never see him, you know, we don't see him for ages. What, what is he doing? Yeah. You know, um, he, gets, he gets sent over to another a completely separate like you know sitcom world where he looks at the camera and goes i can't believe, <laughs> yeah, can't believe gonna get those files <laughs> that could be it that could be it uh ace awesome thank you matt uh, and if you want to catch up with me obviously uh you can check, check me out on twitter at chrono cleon or anything to do with the national video game museum um Maybe have a listen to Radio Sheffield as well. They keep name. They keep. They keep well, they've got a few clips of me that they're playing on Radio Sheffield today. So you can, yeah. um, you can find me over there. Uh, otherwise, we shall see you all next week at seven pm here on Twitch.tv/slash MBMUK. Auf Wiedersehen, everybody. Have a Auf Wiedersehen, Monty. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Auf Wiedersehen, Monty. Bye. <laughs>